6 o'clock. It's a Monday. It's time for the Joke Workshop here on Mutiny Radio. .fm and .sf. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin. Been here every Monday since 2014 or something. Uh, we'll, we have a, a small, we're going to wait for a quorum, which is four, so one more comic. Uh, we're way under capacity, which is great. Everyone's wearing masks. We've got bags of shame on the days if you did not bring your own mic or mic cover um don't forget to donate i was saying uh, you can buy a bag of shame for two dollars but i'm just hoping that you could donate to mutiny radio and that would be cool and uh i've got caramel pot treats today uh if you donate you can get one of those exciting uh but the way the joke workshop works people pay attention to each other's sets and give helpful wonderful comments and uh, help them become better comedians, even in these crazy times, these crazy COVID times. So um, thanks for listening to this podcast on mutinyradio.fm. It's Joke Workshop. You can always donate, too, if you're a listening audience, to our Venmo at Mutiny Radio. So uh, like I said, we're going to wait for just like one more comic, and uh, we'll listen to some more local music. I don't remember what this band is. I'll tell you at the end. <laughs> All right, bye.
it's 6.15. I feel like we've given we've given the people enough time. They're not coming. It's just going to be a very small joke workshop today. At uh, 7 o'clock, I'm actually double dipping. I'll be performing on stage for this Marin Zoom thing that's also going to be on Marin Public Access. So that's exciting. That's why I'm wearing a weird outfit today. You won't be able to see it on the radio, but you can watch it on Marin Public Access thanks to Griffin Daily. That show's going to be out, and it's going to be cool. I mean... I'm like, I don't usually do Zoom shows, but I'm like, if it's going to be on TV after, I'm okay with that. All right. So, guys, who wants to go first? All right. Your first comedian. He's here all the time. Put your hands together for Kyle Morrissey. You can only wait. You can only wait so long, right? (laughs) Yeah, this. I don't think I'm gonna get any f- good feedback this week. This is. I. Th- there's no one here. Um. I'm still glad to be here, though. I'm always gonna be happy to be here. Um. I'm no. I am glad to be here right now. I got in a uh, fight with my girlfriend today, and uh, it was over the fact she feels like I don't spend enough time with her. And I was like, well, that's not my love language. Um. <laughs> I would know because you made me take that test. Uh, it's it, do you, do you know what love languages are? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, <laughs> uh, it's it. There's this popular test that's going around um, it, to figure out how you prefer to receive love. And there's five different options. There's gift giving. There's physical touch. There's acts of kindness, uh, quality time, and words of affirmation. And I took my test. It turns out I like words of affirmation, um, meaning I like people telling me like it's okay, they love me, whatever. Uh, my girlfriend took the test. Turns out she uh, is all of them, <laughs> uh, and a couple others that apparently aren't even categories. Um, but I, uh, I, I, I need to remember that I'm grateful for the relationship I'm in. I'm in I um I was not. I was not good at being single. I didn't like it. I wasn't good at it. Um, it, it just too much expectation. Too much. Like Netflix and chill. Too much pressure. Um, if I put something on, I want. I want to watch it. It's just that simple. <laughs> All right. I know that sex is supposed to play some kind of role in that scenario, but I can't. And the, and including it the other way doesn't work either. I can't like put on hardcore porn and just like put my arm around her and you know be like, hey, you know, best of both worlds again. Still, you know, this, this technically satisfies both uh, both desires here. Um, I I'm interested in uh, the future my girlfriend and I are gonna have because I'm interested in the future that uh, humanity is gonna have right now but like she's she's kind of moved on the spectrum of of wanting to have kids she used to she she used to not want to have kids uh she's 30 you know she's a she's a a feminist she's doing really well in her career she's a very self-sufficient person and i don't i never wanted to like antagonize her or or make her feel like her beliefs weren't credible uh you know in terms of what she wanted so I was like, I'm just going to wait until she changes her mind. Uh, and lo and behold, it's like <laughs> some biological clock start, start ticking. Now that she wants kids, uh, we cannot afford them at all. Um, in fact, we're actually spending money to make sure it doesn't happen. Uh, 
She um she got an IUD recently. Yeah. I'm happy. Def I in terms of you know how that affects our sex life, I'm happy. But when it happened, uh, I didn't really understand understand what the process was, and so she came home after the operation. And she was like, "All they do is they take this tiny little piece of copper, and they they sh they just shove it all the way up there into your uh, cervix, all the way up there, and that's it. It's like a hundred and fifty dollars for this tiny little piece of copper." And I was like, why couldn't we have just put some pennies up there? Um, you, I mean, $150, huh, for copper? I mean, sounds like pe pennies. <laughs> like it's 100, I, I don't know, I, $150 for one IUD. It sounds like I could have gotten you 100 IUDs for $1. Uh, and uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to put some pennies in my girlfriend's vagina soon. Uh, it's going to happen. I don't know what that would feel like. I don't think that would feel very good. Um, they say it tastes like blood. Ooh, that's a good tag. I'm keeping that. Um, so in the meantime, we have a cat. We have a cat. Uh, first cat I've ever had. And it's a girl, which was interesting to me because I thought uh, <laughs> that's not true at all. It's a boy. It's <laughs> that's I got the gender completely wrong. Uh, and that was confusing to me because I, th I thought all cats were girls and I thought all dogs were boys. That's just, I'm 29 and I, I just learned that cats can have both genders. Um, I, I, but the idea that dogs are boys and cats are girls makes way more sense. It does. It, like, it, I, I know there's like science and stuff, but it really makes sense. Because with dogs, you can like, you know, like, ah, you get in there, like wrestle, like roughhouse with them, you know, scratch them. You're a dog, you know, it's like a boy. With a cat, you're like, I feel like you're not being entirely honest with me. Um, I feel like you, I'm going to figure out a secret that you have in about 20 minutes and it's going to ruin the rest of my day. Um, I think that's all I'm going to do. <laughs> Thank you very much. Kyle Morrissey. Misogyny still exists in your group of age. I thought that we grew out of that. I really did. I was really hoping that 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 the people of my age that had the children of your age would have taught you something. I thought it's weird. I, that I I'm just have to say it really as a woman, you lose fifty percent of your audience when you talk disparagingly about your girlfriend doing something so you can be lazy. Your girlfriend had a medical procedure and had something put inside her vagina so that you don't have to wear condoms, so you can feel better, right. so you don't have to pay for things anymore, and you're being disparaging about it. It just, it just makes me more angry and not funny because I'm like, can you come at it from a way where you're not being it. a cunt to men, to uh, women. I'll, like, I'll add that in. I'll yeah, totally how add How that much in. do you spend on condoms? It's like 150 pennies. Also, pennies aren't made of copper anymore. It's just I dangerous. know you mentioned that, but it's uh, yeah, it's, I, yeah. But it's still, too. if there's a way that you can do it without, like I'm, I know I'm a hardcore heavy, heavy, heavy feminist, but like, I can't imagine girls. if you were in an actual room full of half women and half men, you basically make half your audience hate you. Hate. If if that's what you want, then Good job, because once a man starts, it's the same thing when it's like, oh, women on their periods, I go down on them, I do this, I choose, it's gross, it's blood, it's whatever. It's like, you don't get to be disparaging about our bodies. It's, t it's we're past that. Okay. That was the 90s, that was the 80s. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I just, I was, ho I hope we can move ahead from that. It just, sure. 
It's like you don't have a dog in the fucking fight. Why are you writing jokes about it? You I know, just, this is what I, I came it's up just, with. Naturally. I, mean, just, it's I will say I've had moments in the shower where I'm like, I'm like a millennial and I'm doing these like 1980s like men versus women jokes, but. I don't know why they're just still so easy to come up with. I don't. Right, and but I, then I don't. Maybe you're better than that. <laughs> why do you have to go for such low-hanging fruit? Which also goes back to the love language thing. I've heard that joke from Holly Shaw, and she explains all the love languages. It's the premise is so common that you gotta be like the, the over the top with your punchlines. Is 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 hers the same punchline where the love language is all of them? No, it, but kind it's like of. It's just related. That, <sighs> The end of the joke was good. I wouldn't describe the love languages because people kind of know them by now or whatever. Um, just get to the punchlines at the end. But my point is that I've heard the premise from many people. So unless your punchlines are super original, it's kind of hack right now. Okay. That's all. Okay. Just because I've heard I've heard a bunch of people talk about love languages. And it's yeah, like, that's what I thought Adam it would Close be Adam like Close has a joke about love languages. Holly Shaw has a joke about love languages. You have a joke about love languages. Who's the first one you mentioned? Adam Close. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so I enjoyed all your Netflix stuff, though. I thought all that was good, that, like, you can't pay. You want to watch the movie. I thought all that was funny. And the putting the arm around her with the porn. Yeah, maybe come up with a tagline like porn and scorn or hardcore and snore or something like, because, like, you've got Netflix and chill. Like, make up your own thing okay. with porn. That could be super cute. I will do that. I didn't mean to yell at you. I just my feminist hackles got super raised. Don't worry. It's just like, us today. Let's get the gloves like, off. I'm like, ah! <laughs> I'm like, no, only and only because I'm jealous. I haven't had a period in like nine months, so I'm like, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> hey, everyone goes at the same speed. It's just a matter of when you pop it's, out. I just menopause. Um, okay, Ian, <laughs> what do you want to say? All right. Well, well, my comment was about the 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 penny thing, but if you're not gonna do, it, I mean, I'll just say I just like. The connection to it tastes like blood. Yeah. It's thinking you're eating her out, and right. then it's like next thing I know, I got fifty cents in my mouth. <laughs> right. Something right. Like right. That. That's just. That's. That's yeah. just what I thought. Really. Yeah. 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 Good fridge. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, that, I, I liked all your stuff. The, Thank the cat you. and dog stuff was really funny. That you thought dogs were boys and stuff like that. I thought that was really good. Uh, yeah, good job though for two people. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, working through the material. Yeah. It. You know, and then I yell at him. Sweet. Well, obviously I was triggered. Your your work affected me. <laughs> Just it I'd rather have people hate me than not give a shit. No. Well, it's I mean, and it's the same. It, your your work is eliciting an emotional response. You're hoping that it elicits laughter, <laughs> but if it elicits like anger, I mean, that's what fucking Sam Kinison used to do. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. That's true. I mean, how many people? It's oh. also rough. I figure I might as well fuck it up here if yeah, I, if yeah, I'm yeah. if I am gonna figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, wait, yeah. am I not allowed to? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna be like, ah, I'm triggered. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, maybe that's a good thing because that means you're on the right. I mean, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. your work's eliciting an emotional response. Yeah, that's good. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, uh, guys. Clap your hands together. Yeah. Yay, Kyle. <laughs> All right, put your hands together, everybody, for Ian Langlands. Okay, uh, I haven't been up in probably like a month, so, and there's only two people here, so I guess we're going to start slow. Um, can't even, okay, okay. Uh, I like, yeah, so your joke about the, the cats and dogs, so you just, I kind of had the same thing with, um, like, um, firemen. I, I used to, <laughs> it's one of those things, like, you think something as a kid, 
and then you grow up and you don't really think about that thought anymore and then you're older and you think of it and you're like, I really like, I never really confirmed that that was false. So like for firemen, you know how they have the baby drop-off stations? Yeah. As a kid, I was just like, yeah, they just drop off the baby and then the firemen raise it to become a fireman and that's where <laughs> firemen come from. And I remember I was like walking past it one time, like when I was 16, I was like, oh yeah, I used to, I'm like, yeah, that's definitely like not true. Like I don't think I, I don't know why I never put those like two and two together for some reason. So just like, they just raise this horde of babies to learn how to protect from fires. Um, I'll just do just stuff I've been writing. Okay. <laughs> um, so the vaccines, they're on their way. Um, I think knowing how America does when like new drugs come out, there's definitely going to be like vaccine dealers. And I think there's going to be a big black market hall of vaccine dealings. Um, I could just imagine people in, you know, in the parking lot of like a Walmart and a man comes up with a trench coat and he's like, what do you want, Moderna or Pfizer? Take your pick. And you got to like, you know, take the deal. Or you're like the life of the party. It's like, hey, like Brendan's coming over to the party. I think he's going to bring some Pfizer for us if we all want to get a little crazy tonight. Um, that was just a funny thought that I had. Um, Uh, no. Okay. Should I read some poetry? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I don't have poetry. I'm not that cool. Um, oh, yeah. So, so I was, there's been, I feel like in the news, there's been a lot coming out about aliens. And I feel like every week there's another, like, news story about, like, you know, aliens, like, the information about aliens, like, I saw something, like, Senate's gonna, the Senate's gonna release all this information about aliens in, like, 180 days, which is, like, really cool. And I was thinking about it, I'm just like, we really give so much power to these, like, scientists. It's like, these motherfuckers, like, hey, to be fair, they go to school for seven years or whatever, that's great for them. But, like, meanwhile, they go to their labs and they're sending out, like, satellites to space to be like, hey, aliens, like, we're here. It's like, why are we, like, having the well-being of mankind, like, rest on, like, a bunch of, like, nerds in a lab? Because, like, they're just going to be like, hey, aliens, we're here. And the next thing you know, we're all, like, you know, sex slaves for some, like, primordial beings from, like, thousands of galaxies away. I just feel like, you know, we got to put a little, like, I feel like this should be, like, a community vote of, like, do we want to contact aliens? Same thing with AI. You've seen those AI machines? They're terrifying. And just because scientists do it doesn't mean, like, we, we should be okay with that. We all have to accept it because it's like, oh, the scientists. But it's like, next thing you know, we're, like, overrun by robots and aliens. And we're like, who did this? not that much of a surprise. I'm telling you now I'm a prophet. Okay. Let's see what else. What else do we got? Um <laughs> Hmm. I'll talk about let's do No. Okay, I, I'll I'll just rip off for a little bit. Um you guys uh <laughs> this is so funny. I don't even feel like I'm doing stand-up. I'm just talking to you guys. Um, yeah, that uh, storming the Capitol was pretty crazy, right? That's, that's like the most like generic comedian. Like, what's the deal with storming the Capitol? <laughs> storming the Capitol, yeah, pretty crazy. I'm pretty bums me out watching because because I, I missed my flight to DC, got delayed. Uh, the bum could have been there. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I do fit the mo though, don't I? You could see me. Out there, like, yeah, let's do it. Those people are fucking crazy. Imagine liking someone that much. Like, you love this man so much, you're going to go storm. Like, do you love anybody that much that you would storm the Capitol for them? 
that you that you've never met. I bet you could think of someone, though. No, I don't think, I think you're absolutely What about you, Pam? Martha Stewart. Martha Stewart, yeah. Martha Stewart's got a big following. She could do it. I'm, I was thinking that. I'm just like, why would, I, I, I'm never that impassioned about something. Like, these people are just sitting, there's like thousands of them, and they're just sitting, and they're like storming the Capitol for Donald Trump. Um, yeah, no, I can't really think of anybody that I could do it for. Okay, that's, I'm just going to stop now. Okay, that's all I had. Sorry. <laughs> Ian, working so hard for us, for the two of us. Yay. You. You, you're very comfortable on stage, even though you haven't been up there in a while, and yeah, that's great. Thank you, thank you. What do you have to say, Um, uh, if, if it looked like I tuned out, it's because no, the, moment, the moment you started talking about, like, black market for vaccines, the gears just, because there's, to there's totally something there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, the gears were just turning there. I was thinking of – just think about it. Spe definitely spend time thinking about that one. Um, and then the, the, the firefighter baby – that, that's totally – you that's could totally – Yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. Like you could totally uh, turn that into a joke with like, like a quick – like a pretty quick turnaround. Like maybe in the form of like a question saying something like, uh, you know, you ever walk by a, a firehouse and wonder like how many of those – Guys were like dropped off there when they were babies. Just so, just something like that. But or like, like I ask a fireman, I'm like, so you, it's crazy you were just yeah, dropped off there. Yeah, but like like the equivalent in that observation is you could yeah you could for sure make that work. Okay, cool. Yeah. And the, and how cute would it be to see a baby in a tiny tiny firefighter hat? Yeah, like I a know. tiny little <laughs> a tiny little coat, a little red thing, teaching it to go down the pole. Yeah. I think there's a, there's definitely a lot there. Um, the aliens. So there's a thing that you do when you're right now when you're writing where you've got these ideas and these premises and they're but very no big. Well, it's not, and I don't even think you need to necessarily worry about the punchline yet. I would do specific details because when you sprinkle in weird shit, it's going to create punchlines. For example, you could have come up with a name for an alien race. Okay. So in that joke, you start talking about aliens and then you said, oh, and the aliens and, okay. and it's like, but just think of any time you're writing it down, think of something really specific. Get as far away from the generalizations as you can. It's just like, instead of saying pussy, sometimes I say crash site. Okay. Or like really specific, th and that's just an example that I would use, but for your, yeah, come up with an alien race or come up with a name for a drug or just think of like specific concrete details that you can add into your jokes and the punchlines will start forming around those weird words i betcha uh -huh. um yeah because it'll just make your general stuff pop it's yeah. like because your your premises are there like yeah. you have you're thinking about weird things that are like oh yeah i never thought of that it's mm -hmm. like a weird observational comedy yeah and it's you know it's yeah, I, yeah i just need to you know say a bunch of times and hopefully something funny will come out right well but but that's where the writing comes in is that you yeah. come up with so now you know you're talking about aliens so write a bunch of weird like alien names or alien traits you know like okay. they've got a proboscis when they come down okay. on their like build a story right okay. because the specific yeah. weird things like a, a proboscis is a thing that's on a insect and it's like a weird snouty thing but there's uh, you know, like, or say they've got 12 eyes or they've got no eyes or they're, so once you start dealing with these details, you'll see that your, it, it, things will start coming together. Does that okay. make sense? Yes. Yeah. Cool. Totally, totally.
So yay. But again, it's just about like, it depends if you write, write, like write down or if you write on stage. And the problem with writing on stage these days is there isn't a lot of stage to write on. Yeah. So it's so few and far between that I would take this time to yeah. do the pen to paper stuff. That's yeah, usually what I've been doing. It's just I haven't fleshed out that. Interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm saying, but I'm saying, yay, yeah, yeah. you're here and you're doing it. Yeah. And that's great. <laughs> and so, Scott, Kyle, do you have any other comments? Th- that was mainly it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I think you had, you had like three like three premises there with two of them I definitely like latched on. Okay, like, cool. You could, yeah, you can. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, we were small but mighty tonight. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to, see, I'm going up, well, so I'm on this show with Evelyn Erie Diamond and DNA and Griff in oh, wow. Marin, except it's not in Marin, it's via Zoom, and then they're taking it and they're going to put it on Marin Public Access TV. Whoa. But oh, I, sweet. I, go into the Zoom at 6.45 and then I the show starts at 7 and I'm like the third comic or something. So mm. I'm just going to chill here but you, I know you want to go to Alameda yeah. and you can do the rest of your life but thanks for being here and yeah. uh, thanks Mutiny Radio listener. Thank you, Pam. You're here every Thank Monday. Pam. Yeah, and we have an open mic on Friday as well. We'll be back here oh, cool. uh, 6 o'clock on Friday. If anyone has things to do during the day, you can come visit me <laughs> um, on Wednesdays between noon and 4 because I just hang out here. But um, thanks, guys, and I'll see you again soon, and yay. Yay, I'm going to be on a show. I'm going to do stuff. I'm going to smoke some pot. Um, I'm going to pick a new CD, and we'll just listen to some stuff in the meantime before um, that show that I'm on. All right, I'm going to find some music. Thanks, Ian. Yay. Let's see. Natalie Merchant. Oh, my God, I love that. I love this. Um, Joe Jackson. Ooh, yeah. Uh, more Natalie Merchant. What is this? Lipstick, don't tell a soul. Hey, I like the way this sounds. All right. Lipstick, don't tell a soul here on Mutiny Radio. And come back at like 7.20. I'll be doing comedy.
Yeah, it's lipstick. They sounded like uh, extreme. Little bit. All right, so I'm going to be double dipping with this show in Marin. But until then, uh, let's play some uh, Buena Vista Social Club. It's still the joke workshop. Joke workshop here, Mutiny Radio, .fm and .sf. Coming up soon, comedy.
se ha formado la corredera, en el barrio La Cachimba se ha formado la corredera, allá fueron los sombreros con sus campanas, sus sirenas, allí fueron los sombreros con sus campanas, sus sirenas, ay mamá. Se ha formado la corredera, en el barrio La Cachimba se ha formado la corredera. Allá fueron los sombreros. Uh, before DNA, like we have with Wendy is, or do you want to go after DNA? It doesn't matter. Just wait and see if, see if she shows up. He he can go second to the last, but it doesn't matter. It's not like a headlining spot tonight. It's just we just do it. Well, Awesome. We'll let we'll let our host theory decide. How's that? Yeah. Just go where um go 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 where, where Wendy was gonna go. Okay, we'll do that. All right. So yeah. Griffin, you're number three until Wendy shows up. How's that? All right. Cool. All right. All I right. just right, I'm gonna let everyone in and Joe. I'm gonna start recording and we'll go here. Okay. okay. So ready to go live in five, four, three, two, one. Here we go. Record a cloud. And you're admitting everybody. Yes, for better and for worse. Yes. All right. Hey, Hello, everybody. Welcome to Ooh. Insanity. Good to see you. Thank you so much for coming. Hi, Mary. Hi, David. Yeah. Hi, Ray. Looks like we got some newbies. I'm change my. Uh, so, uh, a quick heads up TVs, if we can uh, cut off the TV, please. Who is this? They're comedians. I don't know. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, um, we're, we're actually going to be doing a show in a minute and we're going to be recording it. So, if you could, um, if you're going to laugh, great. If not, please mute yourself. Or if you hear sirens in the background or your dog is barking, you know, we'd really appreciate it if you would just be mindful and mute yourself, okay? Um, we'd also love it if you would be on video. Uh, some of you guys just don't like that, but we would love to see your smiling, hopefully laughing faces. Uh, my name is Jill, and I'm the uh, director of operations here at the Community Media Center of Marin, and, and I produce Marin Sanity. And my colleague, Omid Shamsapur, is the Zoom producer of Marin Sanity. Uh, he's the man behind the curtain that's making this Zoom thing work. And of course, I'm sure you all know Griffin Daly. Griffin has been booking the show for, for uh, I think, probably a good 10 episodes now, Griff. And, uh, you know, really stepping up to the plate to make these Zoom things happen. Uh, so, you know what? Without further ado, I am going to introduce tonight's host. Please give a warm Marin Sanity welcome to Erie Diamond. Woo! Yeah. Yay. 
How's everybody doing tonight? Yay! Have something to do. Sorry to interrupt, please. There's some of you that have a lot of loud noise, and it's hard. I don't want to unmute. I don't want to mute everyone. Can we please, uh, please, if there's a lot, if there's a garbage contractor in your living room, please mute yourself. And uh, we're gonna start over. Jill, please do the handoff to Erie. It's just, it's really, it's really hard to figure out who's the one making all the noise here. So, all right, let's do that again. Sorry about that. Go ahead, Jill. All right. Tonight, your hostess with the mostest. Let's hear it for Erie Diamond. Hi, thank you so much, Marin Sanity and Marin TV. Thank you so much for having us. This is a great show. Our storytelling show, we're super excited. Um, I, unfortunately, I don't have a, like a big, long story, but I have like some smaller stories. I'm going to squish them together so we can all kind of like enjoy different things. I, um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about who I am. Uh, first of all, I do not want any kids. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want them. I don't want them. And here's the thing. I know everyone always wants to convince me to have some, but here's the thing. I'm shitty to kids. I'm shitty to kids. That's the problem. Okay. And, and okay. I'm just going to give you some ex recent examples. Okay. Uh, like, uh, my one friend, my one friend, uh, her little girl, um, I felt like uh, she needed to know that Santa Claus wasn't real. Okay, listen. <laughs> she, she's nine, okay? By the time I was nine, I'd already seen The Shining. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I went home, I threw my big wheel in the trash. I was like, fuck that. I'm not going to see those twins. You know what I'm saying? Um, so here's what happened. Here's what happened. With, okay, here's what happened. So, so uh, it's, I didn't tell her that Santa wasn't real. What I told her was that a couple of years ago, Santa got really old and died. And <laughs> because then the illusion is still there. Like the magic is still there. You know what I mean? But I just felt like she needed to know what was happening. And um, I don't know, uh, those, those, those mall Santas, those, that's an effigy. You know what I mean? That's not, I, um, and then here's, okay, so here's another example. And uh, this is my nephew. Uh, what happened was, and this isn't as, I wasn't as bad. I mean, he's, he's older, so he could take it. He's 10. And um, he, so what happened, I know what happened was, what happened was he was whining because it was his brother's turn to play the video game. And uh, he started crying. He actually started crying. There were like tears running down his face. And I was like, dude, this is the first of a lifetime of disappointment. <laughs> and, you know, like he needed, I felt like he needed a note. And, and I was like, and then here's the, th here's the thing. Like I decided that it would be a good idea to list them. I mean, I realized he had already stopped crying. So I probably didn't need to, but I went ahead and uh, I was like, okay, first of all, for, I mean, the, your, your, like your first love, your first love, dude, your first love, I, I don't know if you know this, all adults know this, but your first love, he will break your heart, you know? And now that I think about it, I probably shouldn't use their pronoun because like he doesn't know he's gay yet, but, um, <laughs> but, but I mean, like I got $5 on that, you know what I'm saying? So I'm gonna, he's gonna find out eventually or I'm gonna have to tell him. But the point is that I shouldn't have kids. So that's not really a story. I just wanted to let you guys know. Um, 
Let's see. I am, um, I'm, a, I'm half Mexican or I used to be half Mexican. You guys know about that? I used to be half Mexican. I don't know. Nobody. This is what happened. Uh, I, so I, I took one of those ancestry.com tests and, uh, I found out that I am from like all the white places in the whole world. And the really dark Mexican guy that I thought was my father. Yeah. He is not related to me, you guys. Um, no, he's not. I totally know how Jesus felt. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, but I can prove my dad exists. I, I know it. And it's so stupid because this whole time I thought I was Mexican. So I was like, Oh, my rhythm because I'm Mexican. Like it was so I'm rolling my R's for nothing, you know, <laughs> like all that extra effort. It was stupid. And, um, and so like, I go, uh, I go to my mom and I ask her about it. And, um, this is what my mom says. My mom said to me, because uh, the lies never stop with a mom. Uh, my mom said to me, um, DNA tests are usually wrong. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I kind of feel like you should tell the police about that. You know, I just, <laughs> I'm like, to tell them and I don't know. I don't know, guys. I uh, trying to think of anything else I can tell. Oh, um, I'm a vegetarian. I'm a vegetarian, and I know not everybody is. I know. I'm really like, what you gonna tell me about being a vegetarian? Well, here's the thing. I have an excellent reason why. Okay. When I was a kid, I was like 12, so I was older. I, I already knew about Santa and stuff. Um, I was at my friend's house and my friend lived with her Cambodian grandparents. They were from Cambodia and uh, we were eating and I was eating this big old bowl of chicken soup. It was delicious. It was delicious. And I'm eating and I'm eating and uh, very slowly this full chicken head just rose to the top of the soup and kind of like looked at me, you know? And like in my head, I, I could hear it being like, where's my body? You know, something <laughs> like that, right? And, and uh, I was kind of, I was freaking out. It turned into that scene in Jurassic Park where she's got like the jello spoon, you know? I was just shaking. And, uh, and then Grandpa Sam, Grandpa Sam, he's so sweet. He comes over and he's like, oh, oh no, oh no. Oh no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. And he goes like this and he took his two fingers and he pushed the chicken head back into the soup. Oh. And he said, uh, he said, shh, you sleep now. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, and, uh, and then he goes, uh, no, good, good, you eat, you eat. And um, here's the thing. I wasn't freaked out as much because he uh, just put his fingers in my soup. That was not the main thing that I was freaked out about. The thing that I was the most freaked out about was the fact that I am like 100% sure that that chicken like winked at me before it went down, <laughs> you know? So 
I um, so those are my stories. I stringed them all, strung, stringed them, stringed them all together, <laughs> and uh, I'm beginning our a wonderful story torrent storytelling show, which I'm very excited about, you guys. Um, I am going to actually bring up our next storyteller. Are you guys excited? Yes. Yeah. Right on. I like that excitement, Mary. Three. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so our, ne <laughs> our next, our next storyteller comedian, um, he, he is, uh, he plays all over the Bay Area. He also won second place in last year's Story Slam Oakland Storytelling Tournament of Champions. Please, everybody, give a warm welcome to Eric Summers. Yeah. Hey. hey, thank you. Hey. Thank you. I deserve more, but that's fine. Um, so when I was a kid, uh, every summer, my family spent a week sleeping in the dirt and catching our dinner out of a lake for vacation, which is a really smart vacation if you don't have a lot of money, because it makes the rest of the year seem luxurious just because you have a bed and a shower. Um, but even though we didn't have a lot of money for fancy vacations, uh, we were rich in love, uh, which is way better than being rich in money, um, is what my mom always told us. Um, she might have been a con man. I don't know. Uh, but what I do know is that as much as I enjoyed uh, the smell of mosquito repellent, I wouldn't have minded an occasional stay at, say, a Ritz-Carlton. So flash forward to when my friends and I had completed our first year out of college. We were working our, our first jobs, and uh, we were still broke as hell. But we realized that if 17 of us pooled our money together, we could rent a houseboat and a ski boat and a couple of jet skis uh, for one weekend. And uh, that is exactly what we did every Memorial Day for the next four years. We each pitched in $250 to jet ski for 30 minutes and sleep on the roof of a floating shack. Uh, <laughs> we were the Kardashians. We had made it in our minds. And uh, I know that this year, everyone here has spent uh, most of the time not going on a nice vacation. So I thought tonight I would tell you the story of our fourth and final houseboat trip uh, to make you feel better about staying at home. <laughs> um, for me, the trip started with my friend Mike picking me up 30 minutes late, which uh, I know doesn't sound like a big deal, but on this particular day, my dumbass roommate and I decided to leave our air-conditioned apartment and wait for Mike out on the 125 degree asphalt of our parking lot, uh, because this was the, the early 90s. There were no cell phones. You couldn't call from your car and say, oh, I'll be there in five minutes, come on down. No, if you wanted to do the right thing and meet your friend uh, when he got there, you waited outside, felt like an animal. And uh, you took your chances, sometimes you lost. Uh, but when Mike finally did arrive, I didn't complain at all, and not because he was my friend, and not because he was about to drive me 250 miles while I sat in his backseat drinking beer. The reason I didn't complain was because I forgot he was late. I was in shock because for the first time in the history of this trip, Mike was towing his sailboat. 
which is shocking because Mike's sailboat uh, wasn't for sailing. Um, I mean, yeah, of course it was for sailing, it was a sailboat, but it wasn't for us to sail. You see, Mike wasn't a wealthy kid. He had uh, purchased this sailboat to restore it and flip it and make some money. And uh, he had been trying to sell it for over a year and had gotten exactly zero offers. So instead of whining about it, he decided to share his, his sailboat with his friends. And uh, you know how they say the road to hell is uh, paved with good intentions? You know that thing? We were about to tow a sailboat uh, down that road. <laughs> um, you guys know what a mast is? Everybody know what a mast is? It's the stick on a sailboat that holds the sails. <laughs> it's a pretty important stick. So you can imagine why Mike was a little upset when a couple hours later we stopped for lunch and the stick was missing. We had, we had, lost, we had lost the stick. And then it's like, goodbye mast, hello crazy. Because we had just traveled 100 miles over an eight-lane freeway on the Friday of Memorial Day weekend. There were tens of thousands of other people making this trip. And Mike's first instinct was to call some friends and ask them, uh, hey, you guys haven't left yet. Would you mind as you're driving at 80 miles an hour, you know, <laughs> keeping your eye out for a stick in the road? Uh, luckily, uh, as we uh, ate our roadside burritos in kind of a respectful silence, Mike slowly came to his senses and realized the mast was gone, there wouldn't be any sailing on this trip. And I contend that he put the fact that he even brought his boat completely out of his mind, uh, which wasn't good. But before I can tell you why it wasn't good, I have to explain the seating. There, um, there were five of us in the car. Mike was driving, yeah, my friend Shan was real long legs, he was riding shotgun. His girlfriend was sitting behind dip. him, and uh, my friend John- His wife ratted him out. <laughs> friend John was uh, riding behind Mike. That left me in the seat of honor, uh, back seat in the middle on the hump. Uh, we used to call that riding bitch. Uh, it didn't bother me though. Uh, I was kind of a beta back then, not the badass I am now. But uh, it gave me a perfect view of the rear view mirror, which as we were cruising down the highway, uh, the rear view mirror turned white. What? Say the rear view mirror turned white, almost as if uh, a sailboat had risen up oh, no. and completely obscured the rear window. And then the view cleared up again. I could actually see better than I had before, uh, probably because we were no longer towing a boat. Um, I could still see the boat, only now it was further back, uh, flying through the air. And uh, like any beta, in that moment, I reacted by a shrieking boat, which startled the other people in the car because they hadn't seen anything yet. And we all turned around and we watched as the boat fell from the sky, bounced ass over tea kettle two times, and then veered right into the and disappeared. Harm no foul. But it wasn't that moment I realized why they asked people towing boats to drive 55 miles an hour. Because at 85 miles an hour, uh, your boat flies into the air. Anyway, we pulled over, we climbed into the ditch, and you, you're not going to believe this, but I promise you, as we approached it, we found no damage. Okay? 
It wasn't until we lifted it up to put it back on the trailer that we saw on the bottom was a jagged hole uh, the size of uh, me. And I didn't know shit about boats, but I was pretty sure this was beyond the help of Flex Seal. <laughs> and uh, Flex Seal hadn't even been invented yet. Uh, so I, I turned to Mike, I said, Mike, I think what we need to do is set this boat back down and get on with our lives, which was, uh, I realize now is kind of insensitive to Mike and also not real flattering about uh, my overly relaxed sense of uh, littering. I wasn't bothered by that thought, but Mike knew the law. Apparently you're not allowed to uh, abandon a vehicle next to a highway, regardless of how badly you have fucked up this vehicle. So we picked up this uh, pile of firewood. We took it back to the trailer. We drove 55 miles an hour the rest of the way to the lake. Uh, was there an upside? Yeah, there was an upside. Uh, Mike no longer cared about losing the mast. <laughs> And, uh, and we all had a good time on the trip, believe it or not, because probably because the, the saga of the sailboat was behind us. Uh, but was it though? Because we still had to drive home, right? And if you've ever driven home on the Monday of Memorial Day weekend from anywhere, you know that that is a nasty drive. You know, traffic, it's brutal. So we had a tradition. We didn't leave the lake until 6 p.m. So we could drive a lot faster than those imbeciles who left at a decent hour. Um, but as I've already hinted at, speed really isn't your friend when you're hauling even what's left of a boat. Uh, nothing flew off the trailer on the way home. You don't need to worry about that. Mike tied down the boat so tight that there was actually more rope than boat. But it was on the drive home that we realized Mike's trailer wasn't really top of the line. Um, and I want to give you a piece of advice. If you're ever going to have a blowout on a boat trailer uh, with no spare, you're going to want to do that in the middle of the night out in the middle of nowhere on a holiday because there's going to be plenty of places uh, that are going to want to sell you a replacement tire at a reasonable cost. Uh, either that or uh, you're going to have to drive 45 minutes to find a Texaco station that will sell you a used $40 tire for $100. Either way, it'll be the perfect capper uh, to a perfect trip, almost. Uh, you, you're probably wondering, hey, Eric, uh, when you were 20 minutes from home, did the check engine light go on? <laughs> yes, it did. Uh, but at this point, uh, Mike no longer gave two shits, and he just kind of in a defeated voice said, uh, I'll get that checked out tomorrow. Don't worry about that. And he dropped us off at our apartment, and when we went in, uh, our answering machine light was flashing. Uh, we had one message and it was from Mike uh, from three days earlier. He had left it while we were waiting for him out in the parking lot. We hit play and this is what we heard. Uh, hey guys, it's Mike. Uh, I'm running about 20 minutes late, but I have great news. I'm bringing my boat. He had great news for us. Uh, we didn't see Mike for a couple of weeks. But uh, when we did, he filled us in on the final insult to his injury. Um, turned out that when he got home that night, Mike had two messages on his machine, and they were both from people who had seen his ad and wanted to buy his boat. Oh, oh. <laughs> All right, that's a 2020 story, even though it happened in 1991. <laughs>
Thank you. Thank you. Clappity clap. Eerie's on. Okay, that's it. Oh, sorry. Eric Summers, ladies and gentlemen. Give him a round of applause. on the flying boat. It just tells you always bring an extra mast. You know what I mean? That's what, have a couple in the car. Um, Okay, I want to mention we're in Sanity again. Thank you so much for letting us do this. Um, also, guys, if you don't have craziness going on at your house, uh, feel free to unmute yourselves. We love to listen to you laugh or groan or be like, oh, God, not this. Whatever you're going to say. We, we do want to hear it. We love to hear that, that glorious ad adulation or not. We love it. We just want that feeling of actually being in the room with people that are humans. Um, you know what I'm saying. So are you guys ready for your next amazing storyteller? <laughs> I love this woman. She's amazing. Um, she is uh, the, the owner of Mutiny Radio and a huge fan of comedy and one of my favorite people. Please give it up. For Pam Benjamin. Yay! Yay! Ooh, do I have to look at myself? Gross. Can't I look at all of you? Oh, oh, God. Ah, ah, that's what I look like? Okay, good. Now I can see all of your beautiful smiling faces. Can we all hear me? Are we good? Can we hear me? We can't hear me. No, I'm shaking. People are shaking their heads. No, they cannot hear me. Yes, they can. No, they can't. Can they? It's very, it's very. A, it's a little distorted. It's a choppy. Distorted. Oh, I know. It's because I'm on a Chromebook. I'm a poor person. I'll try to talk slowly. I live in the tenderloin. You see, that's that's why my uh, technology is crappy. Yeah, just like the streets what? of oh. the tenderloin. I play this game with small children. I hold their hands. I used to be a nanny. You see a pile on the ground and go, man or beast, man or beast. It's up against a wall. It's always man. It's crazy how the, I learned that from a four-year-old. They understand the physics. It's amazing. I, I do live in the Tenderloin. I get catcalled a lot. I wore a cute outfit for you guys today. And you can't even, I'm going to try to get out of it there. You can't even see me. Like, ooh, look at my cute outfit. La, 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 la. I have a cute outfit. And you can't even see all the... I, I live in the Tenderloin, and I often get catcalled or cat complimented. I don't know. It's hard to tell. I was walking down the street, and a gentleman said, Girl, you've been living a long time to look 22. That's a compliment, right? When you look 22. Uh, another gentleman, he looked me dead in the eyes, and he said, you look like you know something. I've always wanted to be seen as smart. He saw me. He gets me. I try not to wear skirts like I'm wearing today. I get way, way too much attention. Uh, a gentleman said, hey. I like your skirt. Can I get under there and get a sniff? Ah! <laughs> God. 
ah, that's catcalling. Also, that's gross. Like, why do you want to smell that dude's cum, bro? That's that's gross. That's on you. Actually, it's on me. It's on. It's on me. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, I do understand catcalling though, because I have a kitten. I have a baby kitten, and she never comes when I call her. I say, "Baby kitten, come here." Come here, baby kitten. I love you. Come here, baby kitten. And she ignores me and walks away. Baby kitten, come here. I love you. And then she shows me her butthole. And I'm like, you're asking for it. And I run over. And I pick her up without consent. And I turn her into a baby. And I kiss her on the mouth. It's cat calling. <laughs> My tenderloin stories. Um, I love to smoke weed. Who loves to smoke weed? Who are my weed smokers? Yeah. Uh, you ever smoke so much weed, you forget how your own shower works? It's just me. Uh, that's crazy. Um, my story actually is about the time that weed saved my life. This actually happened in the Tenderloin. I wanted to start a website called WeedSavedMyLife.com, but I haven't. But it literally did. So I got mugged in the Tenderloin, but it was my fault, okay? I'm not victim blaming, but I was stupid. I left a bar at 2 in the morning, and I had like $2.50 because I just bought a big quarter of weed, like a nice, fresh, big sack, and I was stoked. So I was at the bar and hanging out, closed down the bar. I've got $2.50. So I, across the street from my Tenderloin house, can... Um, I can get a piece of pizza at the Tenderloin across the street from my house. And I'm super excited and I'm, 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 it's, I know they close at three, Milan. So I have to walk and I'm, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it in time. So I start jigging and jogging through the Tenderloin at like 2.30 in the morning. I'm just jigging and jogging. And I'm at Hyde between Eddie and Ellis. And this guy comes up to me and he says, give me what you got. And I'm like, I'm wearing a cheerleading jacket. Like, I don't, what are you talking about? And inside my bag is my master's thesis on a thumb drive and my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sweater. Things that have no importance to this kind gentleman at all. So I'm thinking like, what am I going to, and I look down and he's got a knife and he's like, give me what you got. And I look up at his face and he's got two teardrop tattoos. And I'm like, this is a very dangerous moment for me. So I can't give him my bag. It has too many important things in it. It has important, important things that only matter to me. And 250, 250, who cares? But I reach for that bag of weed, like my head in two seconds, give him the weed. So I reach in my bag and I hand him this quarter of weed. It's worth about 75 bucks. But my life, <laughs> worth more than that. And my master's thesis, worth way more than 75 bucks. So I hand him this sack of weed. And he looks at me, and he goes, and I just start running. I just ran home. And I even forgot to get my piece of pizza. So I still had the $2.50, and I just, the adrenaline. I was crazy. Okay, that's my, that's my how weed saved my life story. Yay. Um, yay um i have another story that i love to tell it's the time i met a famous person has anyone met any famous people ever then and yeah. em embarrassed the bejesus out of yourself so i was in whole foods in hollywood one of my friends lived there and i saw drew barrymore 
walk in to the motherfucking Whole Foods. And I was like, ah, oh my God. And I talked to her, I say, my friend, I'm like, that's Drew Barrymore. And she says, can you not, can you, can you just not? And I was like, but it's Drew Barrymore. And I, lo- I love her. I, this is crazy. And so I run, <laughs> I see she's in the frozen foods aisles and I look, I look around and I'm like, oh, it's Drew Barrymore. And so I <laughs> run up to her and do a knee slide on the ground in front of her. And I'm like, Drew, I love you. I've loved you since Firestarter. I've loved you. I loved it when you were 10 and you were doing drugs. Ah. And then you own your own business. And you have that flower thing, flower thing. And you've made those films. And Cinderella was even good. I loved it. And she just looks at me. And she was like, I'm just trying to buy ice cream. I was just mortified. I'm crying and crying, and I just kind of like slunk away on the ground. <laughs> I had to get the fuck out of there. Okay, one more story. This is the time that I, it was my biggest cheerleading moment, moment ever. Okay, here, I'm going to do something for you just to show how I used to be a cheerleader. Ah, that's my leg. <laughs> um, so I was a cheerleader in high school, and I had one of my biggest cheerleading moments, though, at the Arco Arena in 1997. I won tickets to the Smashing Pumpkins concert. So I was, I, just take one, take them, they're for you. Sorry, there are other people in the building. Um, <laughs> that was weird. So I'm at the Arco Arena, and it's, it's the Smashing Pumpkins. And I, was, I had bought tickets, and they were in the nosebleeders and the third thing. But I'd heard from Quad, K-W-O-D, that they were these quad spies. And if you, you were the first person that they saw that you got to get front row tickets. And I was like, I'm going to win these front row tickets. So uh, I make these big letters and these big things, and I'm walking around. Arco Arena going, quad spies, quad spies, where are you, quad spies? And this guy, he goes, I saw her first. Again with the knee slide, I run up, what? I'm like, ah, this is crazy. So I'm screaming, I'm screaming, and screaming, and screaming. And they take me, and garbage is playing. And they take me down the stairs, and I'm like, ah! And then the front row, and the garbage is playing, and the Smashing Pumpkins are going to be up next. And then we wait. And I'd just been at the show here in the Cow Palace, but they had to stop it early because people were moshing and being super, super lame. So I'm up there in the front, and I tell my now ex-husband, I'm like, you're going to get over there, and I'm going to be over here. And we're going to make, this side's going to yell smashing, and this side's going to yell pumpkins. And he's like, no, no, we're not going to do this. I said, yes, yes, we are doing this. I'm going to be, so I start screaming. I turn around from the front row and I'm screaming to the people. Hey, everybody, there was a crappy show at the Cow Palace. Let's bring out the Smashing Pumpkins. This side's going to yell smashings. This side's going to yell pumpkins. And I start yelling smashing. And then the other side, pumpkins. So first it starts in the lower area with like 50 people. Smashing pumpkins. Okay, so what happened? The entire sold-out Arco Arena is screaming, smashing pumpkins, smashing pumpkins. And this is in 1997 at the height of melancholy and the infinite sadness. And smashing pumpkins. So the Smashing Pumpkins comes out, and Billy Corgan's like, wow, we just had the worst show in San Francisco. This is the best. We've never 
ever had an entrance like this. We've never had an entire sold out arena. Cheer our next. And then they just, and I was like, that was me. I did that. Okay. That's my, that's my cheerleading story. Um, I'll close it out with one little joke. I'm a crazy cat lady, but not in the way you think. I want to take my cat and I want to shave him and I want to knit a sweater out of his fur and I want to make him wear it. I'm crazy! I'm a witch! <laughs> I do identify as a witch. My pronouns are us and we. I'm Pam Benjamin. Thank you so much for the time. Yay, we're insanity. Yay! Yay! Hey. Time for Pam Benjamin. Yay. She's awesome. She owns Mutiny Radio. Please support Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. And she is the hugest um, comedian fan there is in the whole world. I don't know if you guys know this. Um, well, are you guys ready for your hey, next me. storyteller? We've we've heard some great stories tonight, haven't we? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Please, again, please feel free to unmute yourselves. If you don't have craziness going on at your house, please feel free to unmute yourselves because we love hearing you guys. Um, all right. I want to give it up for, uh, he's actually a very big deal. He's been doing comedy for a long, 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 long time. And <laughs> he's awesome. Let's all give it up for one of my favorite people and favorite comedians. Give it up for Griffin Daly. Hello, all you wonderful people. Hello, beautiful Marin County and everybody. And all my lovely comedy friends who are all wonderful there. I've actually been doing comedy for 11 years. That's not that long, but it's, it feels like 100 years sometimes, you know. Anyway, no, it's all fun. It's all lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I want to take you back, kids. I want to take you back in time to the spring of 1965. Can you hear me? Yes, barely. Barely. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Well, spring of 1965, right? Yes. 1965. Yeah, when the Beatles came to town. <laughs> Any Beatles fans out there? Uh, yeah. yeah. Not me. I can't fucking stand them. But no. No, they were all right, but, you know, I couldn't stand the stupid songs they were singing at that point, like, I want to hold your hand. <laughs> like, what are you, singing to 11-year-old girls? Yes, they were. You know, it was like, come on, that ain't rock and roll, John. So anyway, look, here's what happened. They're going to play at the big theatre in Brighton, the Hippodrome. It's about five, 700, I don't know how many people can get there, but uh, my buddy Jim... Jim was, I'll tell you what, he, he looked, he's like six foot four, real skinny, and he looked like a crow. We used to call him Jim Crow because he looked like a crow. <laughs> he, had a big, you know, he had a big long nose, right? And he's all his long black hair hanging down over his face, you know. And he walked, this is, picture this, you've seen Popeye, right? He walked like olive oil with his big neck oh, 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 out. <laughs> you know, you've seen it, right? Uh-huh. You remember that. Anyway, uh, so he says, Griff, let's go see the Beatles on Saturday night. I said, no, I don't want to see them. I said, anyway, you won't be able to hear them, Jim. But it'd be like, the place would be full of, like, teeny boppers. And they're all they're all screaming all the way. You can't hear, all the way through the show, you can't hear a thing. He said, I know. He said, but I wanted to see them just to start seeing them, you know. I said, anyway, it's fucking three and six to get in. I ain't spending, I'll get a packet of cigarettes for that. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, let's bunk in the back door. 
It's just a common practice for teenage boys, you know. I said, all right, we'll give it a shot. And he had this little gadget he called the Digit. It's a long piece of wire he made in metal metal shop at school. And you wiggled it through the middle. You know, you had to do double doors, right? And there and there's a couple of bars across. Well, remember how the bars used to be like a round bar and you push it up to open the door? But it's Digit. You could wiggle it through and you hook it on the bar and pull it up and open the door. They're very naughty, but this that's what kids do. So, <laughs> we go we go around all through the back lanes, back alleys, get around to the back of the hippodrome, and they got a big yard back there, and they got this big flint wall about eight foot high going around the yard, right? And there's a wooden door in the middle. So we open the door, walk into the yard. It's about seven o'clock, I guess. It's starting to get dark because it's England, you know. And uh Standing right by the back door of the hippodrome with the door open, John Lennon himself. I'm not wow. kidding you. He's standing right there smoking a huge joint about three foot long. It's <laughs> probably about six inches long, a huge, biggest joint. <laughs> and he's smoking, he goes, I can't let you in, lads. He said, the bouncer's right in there, you know. I said, all right, John, never mind. He said, oh, come on, have a smoke. He said, we, we walked over and we're talking to him, having a chat with John Lennon. He said, no, no, I'm not kidding you, this is real. <laughs> he passes the joint to me and I take a couple of drags and I Jim takes it. So ladies, if you ever see me on the street, just stop and say, Griff, I want to kiss the lips that shared John Lennon's <laughs> Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might let you if you ain't too old. No. Um anyway, that's so he we had a chat. And he says, here lads. He's just like one of the guys, you know, he says, here lads, he said, uh, do you know any good cafes around it. I want like a little French restaurant or Italian restaurant with that really beautiful old European grub, you know, because the hotel food is shit. It's English hotel, terrible food in those days, and they were staying in the biggest place. I said, yeah, right down the bottom of the street. You know where, you, where the front door is? It's right down the bottom of the street. It's Rossi's Cafe. Old Mrs. Rossi makes the best Bolognese you've ever read. He goes, yeah, that's great, but we can't go down the street, can we? He said, all the kids will follow us. I said, well, We'll take you through the back alleys because we know all the back alleys. It's an old part of town, right? There's all these old alleys. It used to be the fishing village. He said, all right, lads. He said, meet me here at nine o'clock, will you? Do you promise you can get me down the, through the back alleys with the kids not seeing us? I said, definitely, John. We can do it. So, yeah, all right. He said, meet me here at nine o'clock and we'll do it. I said, dinner's on me, boys. So, all right. So, we go off. We, <laughs> shoot down the, we shoot down the cafe and we can hear the kids screaming and the music starts, you know. I walk into Rossi's, and there's old Mrs. Rossi sitting there. Yeah, people used to smoke cigarettes. In, uh, the, she was sitting at the counter. Smoke. Everyone smoked, you know, sitting there smoking a cigarette and drinking, a, uh, you know, an espresso. I said, hey, Mrs. Rossi, I said, John Lennon's going to be here tonight. She said, pull the other one, Griffin Daly. It's got bells on. In an Italian accent. Pull the other one, Griffin. It's got the bells on. Pull the other, anyway. So I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, no, it's true. I said, we just met John at the back of the Hippodrome. He wants a good meal. I went, don't you want the opportunity to give John Lennon a good meal? She said, yeah, I'd love it. I said, well, when we come back here, it'll be just after nine, we're bringing John with us. I said, lock, be ready to lock the door and put the blinds down. She said, all right. I said, make some nice spaghetti bolognese. She said, I've got it cooking right now, boys. She was serving. <laughs> yeah, so... We go back there, right? Nine o'clock. Walk in, creep into the back, back, backyard there. 
and uh, no one's there. All of a sudden, the door swings out real quick. Out comes this guy with a big hooded coat on, like a pea coat they used to wear on the uh, merchant navy ships. And a big, it's called it a duffel coat in England. And uh, he comes running out. I say, hey, you, John? He goes, yeah, it's me. Come on, lads. And then he said, hang on, come on, George. And so fucking the next thing, George bloody, what's his name? What's his name? George Harrison. He comes running out with a, with one of these coats on. He goes, come on, boys, get running. So we start running down the alley. All the way down. He come running across the street, straight in Rossi's door, shut the door. And she's got all the blinds down. But there's, there's, there's five young Scandinavian girls there. But they're a bit older than the teen. You know, they're about, all these girls are like 15, 16, 17. I just turned 16 myself about three weeks before this, and I've been out with one of these girls, Rosemary. Lovely. <laughs> no, she's a lovely girl from uh, Oslo. Yeah, lovely girl. So um, I said, you girls are going to be quiet, right? She goes, yeah, we don't care. you know. So John takes his hat off, and, 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 and George, they take the coats off. They go, oh, it really is. And we're all having a good time, having a good chat. The wine is flowing, which is what's... Daily, don't touch that one. You're only 16. Yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. We had a good laugh, you know. George is a bit of a downer. You know, I don't know what's the matter with him. <laughs> I think he was having trouble with that patty at the time. Yeah. Seeing somebody behind his back, you know. As you know, people do, don't they? You know, we all do. <laughs> now, not me if my wife's like, no, everybody else. So, uh, you know, we're having a chat there and... um. And I, I told him about uh, Rosemary. You know, I said, that's Rosemary over there. I said, we had a date last week, right, Rose? She goes, yeah, Griffin, uh, very nice. Don't call me again. Old <laughs> 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 hey, George leans over. He goes, hey, Griffin, uh, you think one of, them, one of them Swedish girls might come back to me hotel with me? Uh-oh. I said, I've done about the Swedes, George, but um, that Norwegian word... Oh. oh, no. Oh. I did. I said it. I know. It was, ah. it was cool, right? <laughs> I got some reaction out of you, bastards. That's what I wanted. Now nah, it was fun. Naughty. Oh, Mrs. Ross is taking pictures, right? She got, have you, did you, and some old people there, you, you some of you, like, you, but she had this little brownie camera. Remember brownies, Kodak brownies, little plastic camera about that big. Used to take these tiny little pictures that came out like about, four inches square or something, if I remember rightly. And you only had like eight on a film. They had that she had films on in anyway. So she takes all, all these pictures of us standing with the Beatles and her with the Beatles and the Beatles with the girl, all that, you know. I said, hey, Mrs. Rossi, I said, you've got to give me a couple of them pictures when you when you've you know when you've uh, had them processed, give me a couple more shit cut copy, see. <laughs> and of course it you couldn't get them signed because they were right about 11 o'clock. This taxi shows up and they, John and George just whooshed off into the night. <laughs> they were gone. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later, it was, I think, um, I, walked, I walked, was walking down the street with someone else. And uh, they go, oh, look, Rossi's is closed. I said, oh, yeah. And they had this big notice on clothes, gone back to Italy, retired. <laughs> I never even got my bloody photos. Oh. No, no, they never told me. They just like zoomed off out of it, you know. Back to bloody uh, where was it? Somewhere in the south, southern Italy. Some I don't know. But they were nice people. 
I mean, life was great fun back in the 60s. You see, <laughs> no, it was. If you're under 50, you don't know. That was good fun. We had we used to smoke these cigarettes called Russian black sobranis. They were the 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 tobacco was black, but they came in these tin foil like color different colored papers and stuff. And you took two drags of it, and you were choking. <laughs> <laughs> but we liked it because it was flashy, you know. Anyway, it was fun. No, it was good fun. So uh, that's my story about the, the Beatles. I've met lots of other. I met that Drew Barrymore, like she was talking about. Pam was talking about. She came into my shop in, in Healdsburg about 25 years ago. They were shooting that movie Scream or something, right? Uh, I think that was the one. There was two or three films they shot up there. Drew was in that one. And she came in. With, she had this huge guy with her about this big, like massive, about seven seven foot nine. And this old lady, she had this old lady with her, like a chaperone, you know, and she was looking at all the jewelry. We had this nice, we had this nice um, bracelet, sapphires and diamonds. And she, Drew goes, oh, that's nice. She said, how much is that? I said, it's $10,000. No. I, I took it out. I said, you want to try? And I re leaned over to put it on her wrist, right? And she, and she jumped. I said, what's the matter with you? She said, oh, no, 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 let her try. And let her, so the old lady put it on. Said, what do you think, Drew? She said, that's nice. I like it. And I thought I was going to get 10 grand off the bitch, but she, she didn't cop for it, you know. Uh. They, they don't want you to touch them, you know what I mean? The movie stars, see what I mean? A bit touchy, they are a bit, bit nervous. That was, my, that was my Drew story. Lost in COVID stories. I was walking down, I'm right on 4th Street right now in San, uh, San Rafael. And uh, have I got much time left, Neri, darling? Three minutes. Three minutes, is that all? Blimey. Uh, I was walking down the street here the other day. You know we got a lot of bums in town, right? And they, you know, they're trying to take care. A lot of them are just ordinary people that lost their lost their jobs and shit. It's a shame. But I'm not giving them my money because I haven't got enough myself and I'm an old man. I need every penny. <laughs> so, uh, this guy, right over there, he was, he's, I'm walking, he steps out, pushes down, he goes, give me a quarter, mister. I says, see, that's why you're such a loser, man. He said, what? I said, that's why you're such a failure in life. Asking for a quarter. What you going <laughs> to do? Get yourself a piece of gum? <laughs> well, I was a bum. I'll be hitting people up for 20 bucks. And I turned to walk away and he grabbed my sleeve. I said, what now? And he goes, give me 20 bucks, mister. <laughs> I said, what? You're stealing my ideas now? <laughs> <laughs> I said, anyway, you... You can't just demand 20 bucks. <laughs> that level of, uh, you know, enterprise, you've got to come up with a story, a scheme, a scam. Get creative. He pulls out a gun. He goes, give me your wallet, mister. <laughs> Step back again. I said, uh, that's more like it. <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting somewhere, acting like a man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, you were my inspiration. So I cold cocked the fucker real quick. And as he went down, I grabbed the gun. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I walked down the street and sold it in the pawn shop for 50 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, young people, you've got to take advantage of these opportunities as they present themselves. See? 
My time is up, I do believe. <laughs> You're all wonderful. I hope you're all having a lovely old time there, lovely Marine County people. Come and see me in Angel Estates on 4th Street, the antique shop. Come on, come and have a laugh. We'll have some fun together. Tell some jokes. Good night, darling. Here's Erie Diamond. Thank you, sweetheart. Yay, Griffin! Yeah, one more time for Griffin Daily. Griffin. I don't know, Griff. I didn't. There's no proof. There's no photos, so I'm not 100 percent on the Beatles thing. 100, but I believe you because I know you're not alone. DNA, the D his DNA was on my lips, baby. I'm telling you. <laughs> that is, I'm sure his DNA was on a lot of people's lips, but I. Um, <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, this has been such a fun storytelling show. Are you guys ready for your next storyteller, our next and last storyteller? Yeah. yeah our headliner. Um, all right. Uh, this man is very funny. Uh, you know what? That's all I'm going to say. He's very funny. Please enjoy him. Uh, give it up for DNA. DNA. Hey. What a what a what a short introduction! Thanks, Gary. <laughs> Good to be here. Uh, what a great evening of storytelling, Griffin. That was so so good, and that <laughs> way you do that accent. Like he, do you guys know Griffin's from New Jersey? Like he's yeah, been fooling you, you me, man. You got me, man. For years. <laughs> and uh, I heard someone got muted earlier on the show here. Marin Sanity, by the way, you're tuned oh. in. Uh, I heard someone was listening to the news. And uh, you, uh, I, I'm going to tell a story. We're going to get to it. But I just, I, I'm so enveloped in the news right now. I, I'm a news junkie by nature. And so now the last, since the Georgia election, it's been nonstop. It's been like a new revelation every day. And and I know a lot of you are wondering, you're looking at me and you're like, oh, you're thinking, was this guy in the Capitol the other day? <laughs> it's like, no, okay. Those guys have stolen my look. Okay. And maybe this is narcissistic, but it's one of the things that bothers me the most of these protesters is they've, I'm anti-government. I believe in conspiracies too, and I look like this, but not the same ones you do. They're, they're ruining it. They're ruining the beards and the conspiracy. That stuff's okay. It's that they've chosen uh, the wrong the wrong ones. And uh, the guy with the uh, Viking horns, uh, 33 years old, uh, his mother is so excited about him being, uh, you know, identified because now she can get her basement back you know she's been wanting to turn that basement into a sewing room for a decade he won't leave um no fly they they've lost that these people are being identified almost 100 of them now they they no longer can fly <laughs> they no longer can fly on airplanes they no longer get disney plus um they also can't <laughs> applebees this is these are those are consequences, and I think a lot of them will probably learn their lesson. See the see the thing is, look here. I'm going to tell a story. We're going to get there. I'm going to tell some truth. <laughs> though, though, most of those people are just secondary players. They're not the main characters in what happened on Wednesday. 
There are people that got swept up on it, maybe manipulated. Maybe they're more like Manchurian candidates and they've been activated on some level, but they're being used and they're, 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 they're not uh, smart. <laughs> but there's the other people that were hired to do it. There was, did you see those military, those paramilitary guys that were making the beeline? They had their hand on each other's shoulder. They were all strapped. They were, these are guys that have done this before. So there's so much to the story and that's why it's so intriguing and that's why I've been watching it so much and that's why the guy who got muted is like every hour there's something new going on and it's absolutely uh, crazy and um, so but you guys live in Marin it's going to be okay you know you no matter what happens you still live in Marin come on that's the best place when I go to <laughs> what I like to do is I like to put on some Toms of Maine deodorant um, because I like to smell like white privilege, and I just want to fit <laughs> in. <with you guys>. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I performed a bunch at the Throckmorton of <laughs> Lucy Mercer. What a what a great venue and all the history you guys have. And you know, the, we're it feels like we're living in a Philip K. Dick novel. And Philip K. Dick also lived in San Rafael. I lived in San Rafael for a year when I got residency when I moved out here to go to graduate school. Love Mount Tamil Pius, Mount Tam. I'm just, I'm just saying things about Marin now to get, you know, <laughs> to get you guys on my side. <laughs> Mount Tam, oh, best mountain in the world. I love that mountain. I climbed that mountain like almost every day for a year while I was getting the residency to go to grad school. Um, but here's one thing that's going on with, with in the world right now, as far as politics go, and these these hate groups. Did, did you hear? This is. This is not a joke. Today, the leaders of Britain, France, and Canada offered to send their troops here on inauguration day. Oh, God. And oh. Germany. Germany oh. said they would send their troops to our capital to protect us from the neo-Nazis in our own country. If that's not a Philip K. Dick novel, it should be. <laughs> uh, he wrote Blade Runner, Minority Report, you know, Scanner Darkly, Man in the High Castle. I don't know if you saw that. Anyway, um, but if you look at all these hate groups, if you keep if you keep going down to their roots, one of the big things is they're they're anti-Semitic. That they they hate Jews. Uh, I uh, I am a Jew, and this is kind of where the story starts. Um, I uh, I was uh, I I got put through an orthodox <laughs> school. Um, now I was the only one in the family. I, I had a four kids, I was the only one. My parents, only I went to an orthodox Hebrew school because my dad got a deal on it, which is the <laughs> only way you can become an orthodox Jew. There has to be a discount involved. Um, the temple was in Newark, New Jersey. And Newark, New Jersey was on fire <laughs> during the riots of 60. Five. They had to move it to the next town over. My dad was a real estate guy, got to move there, put me in Orthodox Hebrew school. Eight years old, 1970s. I don't know, you know, if anyone younger is watching, uh, you know, 1970s, no cable, no internet. I mean, I never saw any extreme images. I mean, it was a very, it wasn't that it was an insulated reality. It was just, that's what reality was. It wasn't Mm -mm -mm. Oh yeah, I'm working this thing. 
I'm working this thing really good. <laughs> it's gonna be. I'm uh I'm I'm rolling hot right now, and I'm gonna keep it that way. So uh, it's Bug Out Square. Thanks for doing what you got to do to do. Welcome. Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've been hearing his name all over the land. Hey, this week on Bug House Square, man, I'm just, aside from well, keeping it hot, I'm going to, uh, God, I don't know. You know, sometimes I go and I, and I, and I look at the records and I say, am I going to, uh, do I got any 